We recognize the immense responsibility our agency and those who provide support to survivors of sexual assault and work to prevent sexual violence from occurring have in being inclusive to trans and gender diverse folks, as well as standing up for this community's fair and equitable treatment. The harmful attitudes, treatment, and policies made against the trans and gender diverse community is nothing new. And while we have worked to improve services and outreach to this community, the comments made by a famous author has compelled us to dedicate this episode to discuss the issues and opportunities surrounding support for this community. Thank you for hanging out with us. not asking for it a podcast brought to you by hope harbor a sexual trauma recovery center i am your host elena and we have mel g joining us again today our producer hi and today we are talking about uh, the trans community trans and gender diverse community which has really been a focus of, uh, of, of ours at Hope Harbor to outreach to, um, as well as train our staff to ensure that we are educated, and then also training our volunteers to ensure that everyone who would come in contact with client are prepared to provide the best treatment to this community. Would like to start out by noting that I am a cisgender woman, um, and, and just pointing out that that is where I'm coming from in this conversation. Same. I am also a cisgender woman. Uh, and so we don't want to put any any words in the mouth of trans folks in any way. We are only presenting uh, how we feel as an agency, how we feel as people um, in support and allyship to the trans folks um, in the queer community. And we realize that not everyone in the queer community is always as um, open to trans rights, um, as well as uh, racial movements that are happening right now. Um, although the founders of Black Lives Matter and most official Black Lives Matter things are very inclusive to the trans community, not everyone that supports that movement is as inclusive. And so we want to be able to show that we believe that rights are intersectional and we're including um, trans people in all of the spaces that they should be in. Right. We work really, I, I believe Mel and I work really hard to be intersectional and that is the way that we approach our, our advocacy as well as like who we are as individuals, while also noting that a lot of folks are not intersectional and a lot of spaces are not, um, while also mentioning there's always room for growth. Um, by no means do we think we're we've reached peak intersectionality. <laughs> we did want to give a content warning to our listeners. In this episode, we will be talking about violence towards the trans community and how sexual violence affects people in the trans community. We're all about community. We are all about community. We believe well, I, community. And I want to use the appropriate words, which is kind of leading us into the next thing we're talking about is how we define it. And I'm like, I'm going to say the word community and folks way too much. A lot. But that is the best way to define it and to be open-minded. And I almost like, do we, 
Those are also gender neutral terms. I love yeah. folks. I love saying folks. Um, because it's such a gender neutral, you know, instead of being like people, men and women. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Be like folks. And that's where our Kentuckiness comes out as well, I think. I, I don't know if folks is necessarily a southern phrase, but it seems southern. well. I mean, I know a lot of a lot of queer spaces are using like F-O-L-X yeah. to um, be inclusive and also like um, racially using that as well, like using that to describe um, like black folks to mm-hmm. be inclusive of all black people. Do you know why the X instead of the K-S? I know. Uh, I feel like the definition I'm going to give is not going to be completely correct. Do you have a better? No, I don't know. I don't know. I've seen that as well, but I really don't know. We could Google it with these fancy computers we have right in front of us. I'm Googling it right now. Oh, yeah. So that's what it is. So like some people use the word um, woman, but spell it uh, W-O-M-X-N. And they're basically saying that signals the inclusivity of trans women and women of color. Yeah. Um, they said it's puzzling that they have to say this because obviously all women are women, but they're doing this to whenever there's like an event or something and it's considered a woman only event. Um, many people that are people of color or trans are worried about the transphobia or racism. Whereas when you do a women only event with an X instead of the A, it would make it explicit that you are welcome. Yeah. So, by analogy, I would guess that all folks, F-O-L-X, mm-hmm. are folks and would signify, would signify simply just the inclusion of gender-variant people. Love that. I like the phrase gender-variant as well as gender-diverse. Um, to Yeah, to be a, like, broad umbrella term, um, which are new, like, terms for me. Um, for a long time, I was saying like trans and gender non-binary or gender non-conforming um, while knowing that people, I didn't use those different terms, right? And for each individual, those terms do mean something very specific mm-hmm. um, and that by no means do we want to downplay or lump together identities. Um, but during this podcast, um, we will be maybe using the term trans or gender diverse as an umbrella term, or just interchange those, those terms altogether. Um, I I feel like this is also a good time to point out that trans women are women and trans men are men, people who are non-binary or non-conforming are valid and important (laughs) that, we will use the trans indicator before um, saying men or women because we are talking about experiences that are specific to them being trans um, because our society treats them differently because they are trans. I feel like each person has uh, the right to identify themselves in the words that they use, and we are in no way trying to identify someone else um, or to assume what their identity is. Uh, we're just using, using these as, as broad terms to, to discuss this community as a whole. Okay. The reason Mel and I wanted to do this episode um, is because of our uh, no longer favorite childhood author. She, has, has, she who shall not be named has weaponized sexual assault in attacks towards the trans community. And we believe 
that there needs to be a space and a conversation to break down how this is harmful um, and how this is not new, that, um, that she is not she's not pulled this out of her own hat, um, but that the conversation of sexual assault, that sexual assault being used as a means to explain or excuse transgender identities or gender diverse, or really what the message ends up being is that they are deviant, that, that people who are, um, gender diverse or sexually diverse are viewed as deviant in a culture and people will use sexual assault within mainstream media to explain that diversity as well as pointing out that people believe and this is this is something that has not been in the news as recently as it was back when the bathroom bans were being very popular like uh, North Carolina was one that I think actually passed it but this idea that people are going to, and specifically men, are going to pretend to be women and sexually assault women and girls in bathrooms. There is no evidence. I say that very confidently. There is no evidence to support that claim. And then actually downplays or erases completely the extremely high rates the trans community experiences sexual violence. So that's kind of like my summary of what we'll be talking mm-hmm, about today. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the author that we're discussing is not definitely, Elena said, is not the first person to do this. We've seen it throughout media. We've seen it in the political landscape uh, in the United States, as we were discussing um, the bathroom bans that happened a, a few years ago. In this, that trans folks are only seen as these sexually deviant villains of sorts or that people would utilize this. This was the free pass for like the creepy pedophile to, to parade around as a woman to do these things. And it, there's no basis to it. There's no evidence that supports that, um, that these things are, are being utilized, but in media, it's portrayed that this is happening, whether you're watching um, like CSI or Law and Order or whatever it may be, or reading a certain formerly good author's new works. They're portraying this thing of, of this mentally disturbed sexual predator as wanting to dress up in women's clothing to take advantage of women in what would most women would consider safe spaces, bathrooms, changing areas, places that are usually places that are men cannot usually enter, and that's how they're utilizing that. Um, and there's no basis for it. And there's a long list, I think, of of right the the harm that this creates. You know, but to to point out a few um, is if this is people's only experience to the trans community, or if people already have negative views um, or misunderstandings about the trans community, whenever you have a renowned author or this very popular movie or very popular TV show portraying trans folks in this way, the damage is, is immense in our culture. Recently, Laverne Cox has put out a documentary called Disclosure on Netflix, uh, and it is only 
trans people spoken about their trans experiences instead of other people speaking about them. And one of the things that I found very interesting is the actors were talking about the parts that they get and they are either portrayed as a villain or a killer of some sort. And their reasoning behind that is their transness, a victim, uh, uh, how many of them were talking about that they were like victim number 25 or whatever it may be in a crime show. And then the wide majority of them were cast as sex workers to be like the trans prostitute um, who ends up probably becoming the victim. Cause I feel like that's every like New York city crime show. Um, and so at least they're showing that there is violence against trans people, but in those same things, those same episodes, you hear very negative uh, slurs and innuendos about them while their bodies are being examined, them talking about them in inappropriate ways and by kind of the heroes of the show. And, and also that doesn't even include how many times they're dead named in the show, how many times um, the things that are, are normalized that are so harmful to the, to the trans community and then our general population is only seeing those things and thinking, oh, this is the right way to do things. Which I'm glad that you pointed out that it, it shows, right, how often they are victims, um, even if that's their only narrative, you know, that's a, which is a problem. Um, but that they so, so they're pointing out how often violence happens to trans folks um, specific, and, and maybe even at higher levels, right, or not maybe at higher levels, trans people of color, while making it seem like they deserve that violence, that, that they're deserving of that violence. And the conversation isn't about how at risk they are for these types of violences. Um, and, and that's a problem. And honestly, I believe is a form of gaslighting, right? To, to show this violence occurring to them on this mainstream level, but not having the conversation to explain why it is happening to them. Um, instead, it is viewed as, or if there even is a conversation about it, it's, oh, it's because they were a sex worker um, and they deserve it, or it's because they were using drugs and they deserve it, which we see happens to sexual assault survivors of, of all identities, but at a much higher level when it comes to trans folks, and it becomes much more damning, um, essentially, because these are ideas that are already held within our society. So it just reinforces these ideas. And just like with other survivors of sexual assault, it's not usually a sexual type thing. It's usually a power thing from the perpetrator. And so most survivors of, of any type of sexual assault, no matter who they are, there's a lot of guilt of what I could have done differently. And then a lot of our society is what could the survivor have done differently instead of, what the perpetrator could, how they could be different, how we can make sure that these perpetrators aren't this way. Um, and it goes back to a lot of reasons, I feel like, in, in sexual assault, but for the trans community, especially trans women in particular that are targeted um, with sexual assault by straight men, and I say straight in quotations of sorts, um, but they are sexually, they're a sexual fetish to a degree. Especially if you look into porn, you'll see it as a big sex, sexual fetish that uh, trans women um, are seen in this way. And then 
that's the reason that these these trans women are are, are being targeted as as sex workers um, by usually straight presenting men that have families have wives um, and they want to do these things kind of like under cover of sorts they want to still portray this family man this conservative perfect nuclear family type situation but then be able to use these people as objects to explore their sexual fantasies and then a lot of times get angry at these trans women because they tricked them they made them feel a certain way and their feelings about their own sexuality about the things that they're feeling um anger them and because of their toxic masculinity and their ego not being able to to take these things and really work through it they they lead to violence which is why you know trans women especially trans women of color are targeted more than any other group Yes, and there are statistics to show that, which hasn't, which those statistics have not been gathered, right, for like decades and decades. Finding statistics on sexual assault is difficult anyway, um, because it requires that disclosure, requires someone coming forward, especially knowing that survivors generally don't report their sexual assault. Um, But for trans folks, they are much less likely to ever report their um, violence of of any type, um, but especially sexual violence. Um, And that really goes back to the mistreatment that the LGBTQ community as a whole, but specifically trans folks, experience violence at the hands of police. And in our work, we discussed this a little bit during uh, last week's episode, but we do, even though we work separately from law enforcement and medical professionals, we do work hand in hand with them at some points. And I think that is where a lot of that fear comes from. Um, People, uh, trans folks are a lot of times um, discriminated against in, in, not only by law enforcement, by medical professionals. And now with our current administration, they're allowed to. Uh, And so there are certain fears. So there's no way that we can get accurate statistics because these people aren't coming forward to talk because they fear the people that they should be talking with. And that's why we have a a constant struggle as um, a sexual assault trauma center to let them know that we're a safe place um, and that we'll be able to support them, even though some of the other entities are not as safe. Um, So I have I've joined a group on Facebook called Sounds Like You Need to Be Educated on Transgender Individuals, but okay. And it is so informational, um, informative. (laughs) It's so informative. Like, I, you know, it's like, okay, so this is going to get overwhelming, but like, I really enjoy So they have like very intense moderators that like you submit questions and then they're going to either say, this has been addressed in one of our, you know, feeds, you can go find that or something. So like the questions are very, um, they're typically very specific or something like that has to do with the trans or gender diverse community that you don't often get to talk about. And I've learned so much. Um, so in my, and like, I feel like in, I like have to like admit. So in my presentations, my LGBTQ plus youth presentations that I've done, um, you know, for different organizations and for Hope Harbor, uh, when it comes to pronouns, I've kind of 
I've made a joke about it, knowing that, or okay, maybe not knowing, assuming that I'm presenting to a bunch of cis people, um, that like they, them pronouns is like hard, right? Like we're like, oh, I don't get it. Mm It's like, they're only one person. Does this mean they're two people? Uh, You know, blah, blah, blah. Like the grammar freaks, which one, I always point out that I have an English degree and I love grammar more than anybody. And like, we can do it. We can, we can say they, them for, you know, one person. Um, But I would make a joke and I feel really badly about this now, which was just total lack of my experience and lack of me doing, I think, adequate research. So I I would say, listen, they've tried to make other other pronouns popular. um, And it like hasn't really caught as much as, as much popularity as they, them, theirs has, you know, like Z, um, Zer, uh, Zim, like, I think that's it. Um, and so I, I kind of made a joke out of it in those presentations. Um, and I guess I'm using this as my apology. I also plan to apologize when I, pre- or I plan to out myself kind of whenever I present this again, that I, I assumed not many people used those pronouns. Um, I, so reading one of the posts from this uh, Facebook group, I now know there's like a ton of pronouns, dude, like people have, there's a mil, like there's so many. Um, so like now I'm thinking, oh my gosh, like when we're at conference and we have those little stickers that say like he, him, she, her, they, them, like there's, I don't know, maybe there were blank ones where people could write their own, but like, that's really important because there's more than just those three options. Um, some people even used it as a pronoun for themselves. And they're like, Oh, yeah, that's fine. You know, that's how I feel some days. And I was just like, I needed to see this, I needed to see this to see how many like, people were using, you know, these uh, different pronoun options. Mm-hmm. But anyway, it's a great group. I've learned a lot for people to be educated by the trans community. So mm-hmm. what I think is really awesome about this group, and the way Someone, I was reading something and somebody tagged this group, you know, as like a sassy comment. That's why it's named, you know, sounds like you need to be educated on transgender individuals, but okay. Um, so it's led by trans and gender diverse people. And so they have rules where if a question is posed, um, that is, you know, right, like asking, uh, which they do this for any group, but, or like subgroup right within them. Um, but they'll say, you know, remember, this is rule number, whatever. Um, this is only open to, uh, this is only open to uh, trans and meta gender um, individuals for the first six hours. So, um, so they don't let any cis people and the only way they know if you're cis is if you're like, because a lot of people announce themselves like she, her, cis, mm-hmm. you know, um, so only if you like out yourself, will they know, but, um, you know, but it's a good say. place to learn from the source Yes. instead of people speaking for them. Yeah. Yeah. And like, that is something I've just never really seen. And so, and I think that's really cool. And then, I mean, the mods will come in and be like, you're muted. Like you didn't follow, you know, rule, whatever. And I just think like how important that type Mm -hmm. of environment is right for this community because um one there's a ton of misinformation people make up stuff you know about the trans community and then they don't always have this like space where 
you ensure your voice is heard, right? Like if you're in a group, a physical pres, you know, uh, group of people, you, it's very easy to be drowned out. You don't always get to talk, especially if you're not really loud or you're not aggressive. And I think oftentimes marginalized identities, especially if they're the minority in the group is not going to push, you know, for that space Mm -hmm. and, um, for no fault of their own because they don't, you know, probably because they don't feel comfortable um, and supported. And so like, you're going to be right. Like, it doesn't matter if someone submits a comment at the same time as you, you're going to, your comment is going to be there and people can see it. Mm-hmm. And I just think that is really awesome. And just a really amazing opportunity. The internet holds. I like to always point out like what the internet provides to marginalized groups. And I think especially the LGBTQ, you know, community, mm-hmm. um, like thinking about like being a teen and like Tumblr, like Tumblr was such like an outlet. That and I know, and I know that, you know, I'm always talking about TikTok to you and you're always like, eh. but I do think, I do think, you know, I know there's a lot of social media that's harmful because especially with people being able to comment on so much of people's lives. Um, but I feel like Tumblr, uh, TikTok has taken an algorithm lesson from Tumblr that I feel like you don't see on other social medias, whereas it's less about being friends with people you know in the same way as Tumblr and more about the things that you follow and like what you see. Um, And I know like I have been educated on not only Tumblr, but on TikTok of politics and like I'm doing my research afterwards, you know, if this person's saying this um, Mm -hmm. about uh, inclusion, transgender rights, um, different, um, like, uh, disorders and mental health issues. Oh, yeah. Uh, people with rare, uh, type things will come on and like really spend their entire account just educating people, answering questions. Um, I've really taken a deep dive in, in my, uh, TikTok, uh, for you page on like these random things, but it's been so, it's been so educational having a person that, you know, that is trans and is using the, their platform on there um, to educate people. And one of them that I really love is a person that talks to parents of teens who have expressed gender identity, um, have talked about like dysphoria and stuff. Yeah, have open been open about not only but sexual orientation. A lot of it, though, is is uh, this person is, is wanting to talk to parents and is saying, OK, here's how you should talk to your child. Here's helpful. And I just think it's really beautiful that, you know, this is, you know, this is their way of giving it back. And these parents are wanting to help and wanting to be there for their child, but not knowing how to approach it. They don't have the space to learn or to have that guidance that's like non-judgmental, that it's accurate, right? So they're Mm -hmm. getting to hear from people who have experienced it. I know, and I always, you know, because I know, I mean, there's plenty of dangerous things, yeah, on the internet, um, you know, on social media, but I do, but I feel like it's, maybe this is a bad example, but I feel like it's like porn, you know, mm-hmm. like, yes, there is a lot of ways porn is bad, right? Or there mm-hmm. is bad porn, but to, to stay, right? Like it could be better. Yeah. <laughs> it could be better and not, and not, you know, encourage these like horrible, like ideas about like women's, um, you know, sexuality and, you know, consent, like it could be better. And I know there is some out there that is better, but um, I just feel the same way about social media that it's like, okay, you can't just be like, everything's bad. Like kids are on their phones too much these days. I really do believe 
like it'd be hard to find some especially a young person right who is in the lgbtq community who has not found a sense of community on the internet yeah especially if they're in an area that is not an urban in an area mm-hmm. or a more progressive state city whatever it may be like if there's a teen that's sitting in middle of nowhere usa midwest South, kentucky British, kentucky, kentucky um, I just think about, you know, here they are and they're driving down the street and every political sign they see is conservative politics. Um, you know, they're sitting in the front row of whatever church and, you know, they're hearing all these messages about themselves, maybe their school, they're the only person they know mm-hmm. uh, that's like them. And it's like, how did they have their outlet? And, you know, the internet can be a beautiful thing for that. Yeah, because I think, right, because if they didn't have... Because, I mean, no matter what your difference is, if you do not have other folks who normalize it or other people who have that same, you know, attribute, that same interest, that same, Mm -hmm. you know, identity as you, the isolation, the sense of isolation, I mean, can be deadly and is Mm -hmm. deadly for people. Um, You know, and I think that's, I mean, we talk about that all the time when it comes to, you know, survivorship. And being a survivor, it's, you know, you're not alone. You know, that's like our, Mm -hmm. you know, our little message that I feel like is getting kind of hokey at this point. But like that, maybe it's just overused. It's become a cliche. But But that's why the Me Too movement was so powerful. Yeah. Because so many people thought this was only happening to them. And then here come these these big celebrities. Mm -hmm. I went through this. I've experienced this and I'm talking out. So can you. Yeah. And so whenever you, yeah, there's definitely a reaction and like this, this type of, um, struggling for the word, but like where one person comes forward and you're affirmed, right. And you're, Mm -hmm. if you have that same experience, so you're more likely to come forward and share it as well, Mm -hmm. even more so when there's two more people, three more people, Mm -hmm. you know, 200 more people, um, you know, and, and that's what I think, I, I do wonder, and this is me just making a guess, I have no research or evidence to support this, but I do wonder if that is a contrib, like, and I think this could be skewed negatively, but a contributor to the higher rates of LGBTQ youth now mm-hmm. is, um, I think there's a lot of things that contribute to it, but I think one of the things is finding people on the internet, like the access that you have on social media to find other people that are like you, other people who are cool, who are making it, you Mm -hmm. have like these positive examples, right. Of people who are like you, um, you know, cause like being like a kid, you know, like I just think of what Tumblr was for me as, Mm -hmm. you know, a little bi baby. And it was just like such a big deal. So talking about LGBTQ youth, that is where the, franchise about wizards and witches going to hogwarts are we even saying that no she who shall not be named <gasps> did you watch the snl skit where pete david yes yes i'll be I'm honest loving it i was I a little nervous like, laverne cox is a national treasure <laughs> yes i was a little nervous when they're like oh and you know to talk about you know this author that we will not name um you know we have pete davidson i was like oh this could go two different ways i will say i am a pete davidson fan in the way that like i enjoyed tosh.0 you know before he made that really ridiculous uh rape comment um you know where it's like i know they're horrible but like i think they're doing it ironically 
I, I think it is a guilty I, pleasure. I feel like majority of comedians walk a very fine line of offensiveness. Um, and that a lot of times they're making fun of offensive behaviors, but then some yeah. people are like, which I know Pete Davidson has some problematic things um, in general, but I was very excited and I felt like it was not scripted. I felt like it was just him going on yeah. it. Like, and him making fun of himself for getting tattooed, like having, yeah, tattoos and being like, what am I, I'm just never getting a tattoo again. Yeah. You gotta be careful with your heroes, man. I know. It's like, which I mean, is like a part of this, right? Like that is so upsetting about this franchise as two huge fans of the little witch, widget, widgets, little <laughs> wizards and witches that go to Hogwarts. That's what I'm calling it. I mean, I think um, it's so many, I think it's so many people that are feeling this way. Like I watch, um, I watch a web series with drag queens on it and, uh, you can name your web series. We can give them a shout out with my girl Trixie Mattel. And she was just, you know, dying over. Well, because of it, it was, it was her, I mean, she was born in Wisconsin, you know, like mm -hmm. and wherever podunk Wisconsin that she was born. It was not, I mean, literally her drag name is Trixie because that's what her stepfather used abusively to call her when when they were a feminine boy you know yeah so it's like here was their happy place here was this thing that was safe to them and now it's like this is no longer safe yeah yeah and i think that's so true for so much of the lgbtq community was this franchise was a huge part of this of the lgbtq childhood. culture yeah well you know, in general it's like i feel like fantasy and i say this as a lover of fantasy i'm not saying it as a negative thing i feel like the fantasy genre as an adult I read a lot of like fantasy YA still but the fantasy genre is an escape from your real life when your real life is hard it sucks here you go into this book into this movie and you experience this new world and it's such a safe place and so so many fantasy genres whether you're looking at things about wizards or vampires or fairies or whatever it is they have a lot of gender non-binary characters they have a lot of um open relationships they're doing things that the human realm isn't doing you know like mm -hmm. it's a it's a much safer place those authors are not afraid to like break into those what our society would say are taboo things um and kind of go straight into them and so i feel like that's where people go you know like your your trauma is is you get this escapism. Yeah, it's self-care. It's self-care. Reading, self reading is disassociating mm -hmm. to a degree. And uh, I read this study on people who, it was like people who have been, who who listed fantasy as their favorite genre of, of uh, fiction. Um, and it talked about how uh, so many people have experienced some sort of childhood trauma, whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. um, and that's kind of, they liked the escapism of it because it was a disassociation. Interesting. So, that is really interesting. Yeah. And to have that safe space be taken from you. Mm -hmm. um, that also reminds me, going back to pronouns, apparently some folks use Faye as a pronoun. I don't remember the other ones and it's a little contentious. Okay. According to this, this thread on sounds like you need to be educated on transgender individuals, but okay. Um, because 
some people were like, well, that's, that's a religious or a spiritual symbol. Maybe it's a good uh-huh. word in some, uh-huh. in some cultures, a fae, like fae are. Well, and if you go into like certain pagan or Gaelic traditions, yeah. they're considered uh, a holy symbol. Yeah. Holy so some people were like, uh, like basically saying that's cultural appropriation, you know, okay. and then other people were like, well, no, I think you can show respect to that. Like, you don't know what their religions are, you know? So my little fancy heart got real excited about yeah, that. Yeah, like, you, yeah. You know, I've been trying to get you to read some Faye. I know. I should, uh, hold on, Faye. I, I want to remember what the other ones are. That's very interesting. Yeah. Dude, there are so many. And then some people made up their own. They're like, my name is this, and these are my pronouns, like, uh, like to their name. And it was just like, dude, like, why not? Um, and I think that's what's so awesome about language. And, you know, I think this could happen in any language but like you know people were like how do you talk about like how do you how are you gender neutral in languages that don't have that gender neutral option yeah okay so they're called neo pronouns um and fey fair so fey went to the park i went with fair fair self fey fairs fair self it's beautiful, no, it's and I knew you would love going. it because I only really know about Faye because because of I talk about you my love for Maleficent. Sarah J. Moss, who also cannot come out and say harmful things, or I'm going to be devastated. It would just be totally different if she who shall not be named, like, made a mistake, right? Was like, oh wow, I didn't realize that was hurtful. Like thanks for pointing it out. Um, or even if she got a little testy, right. Of like, Oh, you can't do anything right these days. But it was like, home girl is like dying on this hill. Oh my gosh. Dying on this hill. It really could be an educational point, you know, where this person, yes, I do think there should be certain, um, societal consequences to someone when they're, um, using hate speech. But what if that person, then goes and educates themselves like, oh, you know, like this was so harmful to a group of my fans, my followers, whatever. I I really need to look into this. Like if, you know, instead she had said, you know, I'm going to do some research. I'll get back to y'all and reached out to people, talked to people, did research, tried to go to whatever it may be, talking to a therapist about it, really getting some life experience and then coming back and making a true and genuine apology and trying to work on it. I think they've been given the option. I feel like, I mean, you know, like, would she have been given the backlash that she has if she would have been, if she would have made a mistake? I don't think, no, no. Um, Honestly, I don't even think this black backlash, I thought it was a big deal for SNL to include it. I don't, many people, I don't know if you've talked to people about this issue, like, they're like, oh, no, I haven't heard of that. And I'm like, no, it's, it's, it's people that, I mean, we deep dive into this stuff all the time. I follow, it's the accounts I follow, the accounts Mm -hmm. I follow and share. Yeah, right. And so, but it's like, I don't think she's really being canceled. Like, you know, no. I like I, I haven't heard of Are people you know, boycotting Universal Studios right now. Right. Convenient for her. We ain't going anyway. We still we did. I feel like we did look up how much money she gets from that. Didn't we? Didn't we try to I, I was with somebody where we l- tried to look that up to see how much. I mean, I've wanted to. But, you know, I've just I've made so many plans about when my child turns 11. I know. I think we can party. do we can do things right. But as long as I don't buy any licensed material, mm-hmm. 
we're yeah. good. Dude, and you know there's all kinds of stuff out there on Etsy that isn't licensed. Listen, um, I can craft. I will say we can DIY some stuff. You know, I did want to buy the picture books for my goddaughter, but I can find those used by now. I know to some people that's still incur like that's still doing it. But you know what? Your friend, your gay friend gets free chicken sandwiches from Chick-fil-A. <laughs> and you know what? He found a way around Chick-fil-A and their millions of dollars to anti-gay organizations that send preachers over to Africa to that ends up with uh, them killing gay people. So if he can find a way around that. That is true. He loves to get his uh, year-long, his free. year free chicken sandwiches so that he can go in there and be gay and Chick-fil-A and be like, I'm not giving y'all money. I'm yeah. Just, dude. So I think, you know what, dude, the fact that Chick-fil-A has survived <laughs> is still like that. Drives not even crazy. a survival, a thrive. Dude, like Thriving. the fact, you know what? I swear if Thriving. I find, if I saw, find someone from the LGBTQ community, uh, well, you know, what? it's not even comparable because there's plenty of gay people who are not trans inclusive, but like, if you're willing to forgive Chick-fil-A, but you can't like, but you're going to be like hard on this author of this franchise. Like we need to talk about it. We need to talk about it. I mean, there's a, I mean, in general, I feel like people pick and choose, you know? Well, they choose what's convenient for them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like for a lot of us. Yeah. Like we would not need to give, I mean, I, and I I can't tell you how many people say things like separate the art from the artist. Like, I really like this actor, even if this person's, like, super harmful in real life. And I'm always like, mm, I can't. No, I sure can't. I've gotten to this argument a lot with people on not only Chris Brown, but Eminem. And I was like, I can't. I can't do it. I was, was going to say Michael Jackson and R. Kelly. Like, yeah. I found, I've had conversations where people are like, like, you know, Remix to Ignition comes on and they're like, uh, that's not the song title. It's just called Ignition, isn't Ignition? it? Ignition, yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> but anyway, and they're like, but so the music white. is I so, so good. White. I sounded remix so white. Remix to the Ignition. Yeah, the, the remix to the Ignition. You know, and then, but then they're like jamming to uh, Michael Jackson. And I'm like, well... Like, okay, if we're going to, like, I'm fine with, like, I I appreciate you calling that out. You're right. That song should not have been on this playlist, but, like, neither should Michael Jackson, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, where if we're going to do it, like, or, I mean, whatever. Like, I'm not going to, like, police people's canceling. But I think, like, accepting that critique, right? Like, I think, if mm-hmm. you know, if you're like, oh, yeah, you're right. It's messed up, but I'm still going to listen to it. So, problematic. Uh, first off, her weird mockingness of like right so she was mocking and inclusive okay so she's made comments like years before or like liked tweets but you the know? big one is people who menstruate was so right for her yeah like it wasn't like she made some you know accidental statement that like people are like oh you should be more inclusive it was like she fought against this inclusive statement pamphlet yeah this pamphlet that said people who menstruate and well, like She's as if that was erasing women. She's also been in favor of transgender bathroom laws, so. Yeah, which that was super shocking to me to read in that uh, letter um, that she wrote, or her blog post that she wrote, that I don't really encourage anybody to read it. One, it's for someone who can write, like, and make, what, millions of dollars off books, this blog post was so like convoluted and like messy and like had no clear point like it was like 
How could you, someone who like writes so well, write came so off, badly? It came off as like a drug induced rant. That's really what I read it as. Like someone who was on some sort of substance, whether they just got super drunk or something and were just angry typing on a computer and then just like send. And there's like <laughs> no editing. Um, I, I mean, I think for anything, it shows how like flimsy, I don't know, for better word, like lack of a better word, just how pathetic her argument is, right? Like mm -hmm. she couldn't even make a good argument, but she talks about the bathroom laws in there, which, so she lives in Scotland. I didn't know that that was like, you know, I don't know. I guess I, I, I that was my lack of uh, worldly uh, politics, but like, you know, I knew that, that that's a thing in the South, right? Like, I don't think, uh -huh. I think it was maybe presented in Kentucky's legislature. It wasn't passed, um, mm -hmm. the way like it was in North Carolina. Um, I'm only using, I know there was other States, but that's one that I know specifically. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, and so it's like, whoa, like, you know, I can sometimes be guilty of this idea that like these racist, these um, discriminatory policies are like a Southern redneck thing, you know, and sometimes I, I mean, I know that, I know that there's rednecks all over the place. <sighs> Maybe I shouldn't use the word rednecks. I know that there's um, conservative people <laughs> people yes people who have conservative discriminatory values i feel like we're both like starting and stopping and then we're like as we, we say something and i feel like as i'm saying it it's sounding good and then as i'm going on i'm like uh, uh. i mean but maybe this is what it feels like to be talking about something that we can't personally identify with yeah you know but I think maybe we can convey that in this episode to show like to be like, hey, honestly, like we recognize we sound like we're just spout or we recognize we're spouting off statistics. We're spouting off. But like, that's what it sounds like to try to authentically talk about something that you do not personally experience. Right. Like we recognize this is an issue. We want to bring light to it. We recognize a platform that a cisgender, a white cisgender person has. I mean, especially knowing that our, what's it, our coalition, our movement um, is really dominated by white cisgender women. Um, and so like, we need to have these conversations and just, we're going to have to acknowledge that we're uncomfortable and that we don't, and, and not uncomfortable in the way that trans people makes us uncomfortable, but we do not want to misrepresent anything and that we, we are like, we're, we are, we're like tiptoeing around these conversations and these issues. I don't know. I'm, I'm like really just feeling conflicted about it now. Cause I feel like you kind of pointed this out with the black lives matter episode, you know, of like, oh, I, I, you know, like you had all your articles, you had all these things like to try to, you know, like, write Like bring in this, this information because we as white women were, are not able to bring in that information or that experience. And I was kind of like, nah, we got it. We can talk about this. Like, we're fine. And, and I'm, re I'm realizing in this moment, I do not feel fine. We are not okay. We're not okay. Um, <laughs> and, and I think, right, like, can be gone to say, like, the importance of, of this, like, I don't know, like, cognitive dissonance, maybe, of, 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 like, really thinking through what power our words have, and, and being considerate, being conscious of that, 
without being like, Hey, you're a trans person. Why don't you come talk to us? You know? Um, because I think there are plenty, right. Like of great podcasts of great, uh, you you know, you'd mentioned disclosure, like great opportunities to hear. Okay. Maybe not plenty, but they're out there. You have to research for them, but they're out there. Definitely check back for more episodes, uh, follow us so you can stay updated for when we release episodes and remember we're still not asking for it. Thank you for listening to this episode of Still Not Asking For It. Remember, this conversation is just a launching point for the movement for trans and gender diverse rights. Please continue this conversation by researching and listening to trans voices and continuing the fight for justice for all people and genders. Also, thank you to Girl Tones for our intro music. Check them out anywhere that you get music.